Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We gather for church every single week for really one reason, and that's to celebrate the life that we have in Christ. Our faith, it's really all about life. We were created by the author of life. Uh, He breathed his spirit, his life-giving spirit, into the dust of the ground, forming Adam and Eve. He formed us in our, in our mother's womb. He has given us life. But we don't just gather together because God is the one who has given us life here on this earth, but because he has also given us hope of eternal life. That even after this death, we have hope. We have eternal life because of the gift of Jesus Christ. And that is why we gather together, because of that hope, because of that life that we have in God. We're going into another season uh, where we celebrate life as well. You can believe it, Thanksgiving is only a week and a half away. Even though Thanksgiving, it was created by, uh, it was first established by uh, George Washington as a, as a national day of, of Thanksgiving, and then kind of formalized by Abraham Lincoln, even though it's just a, a, a national federal holiday, what we do during it is celebrate life, the life that we have and all the blessings that we have in that life. And since it's a, it's a purely American tradition, American holiday, we do it in the most American way possible. We, we get together, we eat way too much food, and then uh, late at night we, uh, we go out and we buy more things than we need. That's what we do. We celebrate our life. We celebrate the American way. In five weeks, you believe five weeks, Christmas is, going, uh, Christmas is here. I think that's even harder to believe. Um, But what Christmas is, is the celebration of life. There is no holiday that is more important to us than Christmas. Um, I I guess there's Easter too, but but Christmas is when God sent us Jesus Christ. When the promises that God God gave to his people throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia, they came to fulfillment in Christ. It's in Christmas that we celebrate the hope, the hope of the resurrection, the coming of our Messiah, the coming of our Savior, the one who has purchased and won uh, won us for eternal life. These are arguably the two biggest holidays of the year. Uh, But I think it's good to just spend some time asking why. What are we celebrating? Yes, we're celebrating life, but what kind of life? And that's what these next two weeks are going to be about. We're going to spend some time talking about uh, what it means to live and to give abundantly. And I think in order to do so, in order to understand what it means to actually live and give abundantly, we need to actually know what it means to live. What is our purpose in life? That leads right into the big question of what is the meaning of life? This question was answered uh, by the Hitchhiker's Guide. The answer is 42. We know that, and yet we're still searching for the answer. And where people search for that answer, there's, there's really only two places. That is uh, the suggestion of the culture, the, section, the, uh, the philosophy of our culture, that is looking within ourselves, but it's also uh, the other option is to look outside of ourselves. So when life's meaning comes from within ourselves, we run into some issues. This is the way that, uh, that we're told to live. Uh, 
You choose your own destiny. You choose what your life is going to be. You choose the purpose and direction of your life. But there's some issues with that. When we go down this road, it's a rather bleak, uh, we, we face a rather bleak truth. It's a truth that, uh, even though, it's a truth that Solomon himself ran against. Even though Solomon was one of the wealthiest, most successful kings of all time, at the end of his life, when he sat down and looked at it, he wrote a book. That book is rather depressing. He opens it up by saying that life is meaningless. That life, uh, when life's meaning comes from within, when it's, uh, the purpose of it is to, imp- uh, to lift oneself up, to seek one's own glory, it's meaningless. He writes, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything as meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Life is meaningless. He also writes that life is tiresome. He says that, he writes this, he says, the sun rises and the sun sets. It hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south, and then it turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All the streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome. More than one can say, the eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. Life is tiresome. And If it's meaningless and tiresome, that also means that life is going to be unfulfilling when one searches uh, searches for meaning within themselves. That's exactly what Solomon writes. He says, he continues in this first chapter, what has been again will be again. Uh, What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. Life will be unfulfilling when we look within ourselves. On top of that, he continues. Uh, It gets more depressing than that. He says life will be insignificant. Life will be insignificant when we look to ourselves for meaning. He writes, No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. How true is that? to just put the cherry on top of it all. He says life will be uncontrollable. Again, in that first chapter of Ecclesiastes, he's right, what is crooked cannot be straightened, what is lacking cannot be counted. Solomon had everything. He had all the trappings of success, and yet he writes that life is meaningless. It's meaningless, it's meaningless. Our society... The way our culture lives and tells us, uh, it, it, it tells us to live just like this. That our meaning, our hope, it comes from within ourselves. That we are the ones who are in control of our destiny. We are the ones who decide what the meaning of our life will be. We can find that by doing what we love. By pursuing what we find value in. But like Solomon, so much, there's more and more parts of our society, of our culture, that is reflecting on this and saying, wait, this is actually meaningless. 
In the past uh, 10 years, some of the most popular shows on television have focused on this issue. And if they haven't focused on it, they, they just accepted it as the truth and played it up. If you're, uh, if you're between the ages, if you're male and between the ages of 16 and 35, uh, or you're related to somebody of that, gener- uh, of that age range, you've probably heard of the show Rick and Morty, or you've seen it. It's a really popular show. And the whole premise of the show is, is uh, that this uh, grandpa and his, and his grandson go off on these uh, epic space adventures and do all sorts of, uh, all sorts of crazy things. And the whole reason why they do this is because the grandpa sees that life is meaningless, and so, well, since it's meaningless, nothing really matters, and so he'll go and do what he wants with the universe because, again, it doesn't matter. And so all sorts of crazy things uh, ensue. It's this cycle of uh, distraction and then reflection on the emptiness of life, the meaningless of life, despair, and then back to distraction. It's just this endless cycle. Believe it or not, it's a comedy. It's a rather crude comedy, so... Um, but that's what it's about. It's an extremely popular show. On top of that, uh, there's another show called BoJack Horseman. Anybody have heard of this show? Seen it? Uh, it's got Will Arnett in it. Which, uh, I really like Will Arnett. So, it, again, it's, it's, it's very similar, it's, uh, very similar to, uh, to Rick and Morty in that the whole premise of the show is a reflection on the meaningless of life. See, BoJack Horseman, he is a... Uh, uh, he lives in this alternate uh, version of, of Hollywood. Uh, he was a 90s sitcom, uh, sitcom TV star, and he has everything. Like Solomon, he was, he's got success. Every need, every want, every desire that he, has, uh, that he has, he can get it. It's at his fingertips, and yet he is empty. The entire show is, uh, reflects on him dealing with this emptiness of life. And multiple times in the show, uh, characters come up to him and give him this advice, that, uh, telling him, uh, Bojack, don't you know? Life is meaningless. You're not going to find anything in there. The trick, the key to being happy is to distract yourself long enough to forget that life is meaningless. That's the show. How depressing is that? And then another show, uh, one that I really liked, was uh, called Mad Men. Anybody else watch this show, like this show? Um, very similar vein. It's set in the 1950s into the 60s, and it's about this ad man who, uh, who is tra- chasing the American dream. And he gets it. Against all odds, he constantly, uh, he constantly gets the, the, uh, achieves the American dream, and yet he's empty. He's successful at work. He's successful at business, even though he probably shouldn't be. He has a family, and yet... Each and every time he gets something, it just crumbles around him. It's, it, it gives him no meaning. It gives him no satisfaction. It, gives him, uh, it, it doesn't answer that question of, what am I doing here? And the show ended. It ended a couple of years ago. And it ended on a rather unfulfilling note. It was unsatisfying. There was no character development. There was no uh, growth to the character because there was nothing to pursue. The cycle of distraction, reflection, and despair was seen, uh, that, we saw in, that we see in Rick and Morty and that we see in Bojack Horseman. It was the same thing that we see in Mad Men. 
that life is meaningless, and because life is meaningless, there's really nothing to gain. And so you just kind of walk through life. There's more and more shows out there that are like this, that reflect on, these, uh, on this issue. And I think it's because uh, more and more people are wondering, what is the meaning of life? The place that, we, uh, the place that our culture, our cultural philosophy has, has left us empty. We look at it like Solomon and say, meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. So there's got to be something else out there. I don't think that there's too many people who truly are looking to themselves uh, for answers. To truly do that means that you're a nihilist, that there, is no, uh, that there is no meaning. Everybody wants something out there to give true meaning, and so they look for it. They look for it in money, they look for it in power. And so really, everybody is worshiping something. So I, I don't really think that we can actually look for meaning within ourselves, even though that's what we're told to do. Instead, what, we are told, uh, what happens is that we look for meaning outside of ourselves, but still for our glory. And when we look for meaning outside of ourselves, life is all about appeasing, uh, appeasing God or about appeasing other gods. It's all about, uh, and it's all about perfecting oneself. Throughout human history, this has been the case. Uh, whether the gods are made of stone, gold, or whether they're just uh, some idea floating in, the distant, uh, floating in the ether, life is about appeasing them and perfecting oneself. But we have a different God. While, yes, uh, he did create us to worship him, he did create us to, 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 uh, to do his will, he didn't create us just, just to live. He didn't create us to glorify ourselves or, or to do any of that, anything like that, like the gods of uh, the ancient gods. He gave us purpose. Our God... He is the author of life. When he created Adam and Eve, he created Adam and Eve for a specific purpose. In Genesis, we're told that he created Adam and Eve to, uh, to be a reflection of him, to be stewards. He created them in, the, in his own image so that when all creation look at Adam and Eve, what they see is God's love and God's glory. That's what it means for Adam and Eve to be stewards of creation. They're to be God's representation on earth. Of course, we also see in Genesis that they failed at this. And because of that, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden and cast out uh, from the presence of God. If we stop there, God is just like any other God. That the way, that, the way to, uh, to happiness, the way to have hope, is to try to appease him, to try to get back into his own graces, trying to perfect ourselves. He's no different than any other God. But that's not the case. God did not just leave us there. In fact, immediately when Adam and Eve rebelled, he gave us hope. Because our God is, he's not just the God of life, but he is the God of love. God has justified us through Jesus Christ. That is why we gather today. That is the hope that we have. It's not about celebrating ourselves. It's not about uh, trying to have a better life. It's not, trying to distract, it's not about distracting ourselves until we die. We have been justified. He created us to be that perfect reflection of us. We can't do that. And for that reason, he sent his son to stand in our place, to take on the punishment that we deserve. 
And in return, Christ has perfected us in his blood. So now, when the author of creation, when the God of everything looks at us, he doesn't see us in our failures. He doesn't see us, uh, he doesn't see us as in our imperfections. He sees us as his perfect children, as his son. That is who we are. By perfecting us, we have been restored. We've been restored back into the people of God. God has given us his spirit, allowing us to be that reflection once more. We're not perfect yet, but God is going to restore us back into that perfect image of him. We have been given a purpose. As Christians, our life has meaning because of who our God is. Life lived abundantly is about living outward. We live in a society, we live in a culture, in a community that is looking for answers to life. And guess what? We have that answer. That answer is not about glorifying ourselves. It's not building up our community or to show that we're better than anyone else. Our life is about to serve that purpose, pointing back to God, pointing all creation, our neighbors, our friends, back to the Creator and glorifying Him. If you look in our pop culture, pop culture, you see that people are not satisfied with, our culture, with, with the way things are. You have the answer. You have the hope. Despair, death is not the only way out. Jesus has given us an, another way. He has given us life. So that's what, that's what we are called to do. Because we have been saved, because we have been washed in the blood of Christ, we are now called to go out and share God's grace with the world, using our time, spending time with God, getting to know him, listening to his voice, but also using time to share his grace with those around us. This means building up relationships, not just going to work, clocking in and then clocking out. Not just driving home, uh, parking in your garage, and staying in your house, never saying anything to your neighbor. This means building relationships, using our time to glorify God. It means using our talents to do the same thing and our treasures. God has blessed all of us richly. We're called to use those gifts to glorify him. This is what life is about. It is not for our glory. It is not for our will or our purposes. It is for God and his glory. This is what we were created to do. So I encourage you this week to continue growing in God, to continue strengthening that relationship that you have with him, to using your gifts and abilities, your time and your treasures to glorify him. This holiday season, don't just spend time accumulating things. Or, or, or just celebrating the life, uh, celebrating your life. But use it to glorify, to glorify the one who has given you everlasting and eternal life. So may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our heart and our minds until Jesus Christ comes again. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your Son, that by doing so you have given us an answer to our, our despair. Uh, that we do not have to try to dis distract ourselves. We do not have to just uh, await death. You have given us life, Lord. Use us to share, to be a light to this dark world, sharing the hope that we have in you with everyone around us. All these things we pray in your name. Amen.